0: As we come to the Word of God this morning, we want to uh, continue our, our sermon series called Hope Rises today. We have been journeying through resurrection stories in the Bible. And today we look at the resurrection story of uh, Elijah and the widow's son coming from First Kings in chapter 17. Now for me, uh, my in-depth study of Elijah the prophet Uh, came in about 2002 i had graduated from stephen f austin state university and started working as a youth director at benbrook united Uh, we had a sunday school class there that was uh, taking a deep dive into the prophet elijah and using the chuck swindoll book on elijah and it was at that moment that i realized the importance of this biblical character uh, one that meets Jesus in the transfiguration along with Moses, one that was taken up to heaven and the chariot of fire, uh, one that did miraculous things in the name of the Lord during the reign of a king who had welcomed Jezebel as his wife, uh, the Sidonian uh, who really had it out for Elijah as the prophet. And so today uh, we pick up in the story of Elijah uh, kind of toward the beginning of his story, he has just announced to the king uh, that there will be no rain, that there will be a, a, a drought in the land until the Lord sends rain. And so the reason for this is that the, the God of Jezebel, uh, the, the God of Baal, um, Jezebel's God that she worshipped and believed in, uh, not the God of creation, but this false God, Uh, was claimed to be the god of rain and so uh, Elijah says well how about this it's not going to rain until God says it will and so since Elijah proclaims this drought to King Ahab uh, then he is on the run and so he goes to a place where God instructs him to go this creek uh, and he is there by the creek and he's in the wilderness at this creek And he is fed by the ravens there. Now, as you can imagine, there's a drought going on. And so that's why he has to go somewhere else now. He has to go to to Zarephath, which is actually in Sidon, which is where Jezebel is from. He's kind of going into enemy territory here. And he's crossing over this gate. So Elijah is going to have to trust This widow who is from Sidon and the widow is going to have to trust Elijah, this stranger who she's never met, who, by the way, is coming out of a a time of isolation. um, And he has been isolated in the wilderness uh, for quite a while now. He is what we would call a wild man. Uh, He is been isolated in the wilderness. You can imagine what he looks like, which is why uh, John the Baptist is the representation of Elijah in the New Testament. Uh, Both coming out of the wilderness and then doing their duties for God. Um, Elijah was being fed by the ravens by the creek, and John the Baptist uh, ate the locusts and honey in the wilderness so, both of these individuals, uh, you can compare and contrast them very well. So, we, we move on in this story, uh, and Elijah tells the widow, He says, I, I need something to eat. And, a lot, and the widow says, are, are you kidding me? Like, I just, I'm gathering a couple of sticks here, then I'm going to make the last meal for my son and I, and then we're going to die. Um, like, we have nothing to eat. He said, Well, as long as I'm with you, as long as you receive the prophet, as long as you receive this word of God in your life, the, the meal and the, and the oil will not run out. Wow, what a leap of faith for this woman to believe this, this widow, to welcome this stranger uh, as a widow who is caring for an orphan. Um, an orphan, you might say, well, yes, this is an orphan uh, because the father has died uh, a widow's son in those days was considered to be an orphan. And so um, you have the, the stranger and you have the widow and you have the orphan. And, and all three of these individuals are in a state of poverty. I want to take a moment to talk about poverty. I want to take a moment to talk about what it means for us as Christians to invest our time in spiritual poverty. Now, the word poverty is not a word that we so much like in our society. And in fact, we do everything in our power to not be a person in poverty. We want to gain our resources. We want to be self-reliant. We want to be self-made. But here, as Christians, we have to rely on God. If we don't rely on God, if we, if we do not claim our spiritual poverty, then what we're saying is, essentially, we have no need for God. Because we can do it all on our own we don't talk about spiritual poverty much as as methodists uh john wesley spoke about spiritual poverty very little Uh, but in in the world of catholicism there's a lot of writing about spiritual poverty and i I just want to share this piece with you today this comes from a nation spirituality uh, leader called kevin o'brien and i want to read this to you today Uh, as we see and the Exercises of St. Ignatius. All of us are called to poverty of spirit, or spiritual poverty, which describes the stance of utter dependence before God, not in any demeaning or servile sense, but in the sense of the principle and foundation. God is God, and we are creatures created to praise, love, and serve God. Before all else, we are dependent on God for our happiness and fulfillment. While we are grateful for our talents, abilities, wealth, and achievement, we are free enough to offer them to the service of God and to others and to let go of them when they get in the way of that self-giving. In short, poverty of spirit or spiritual poverty is an emptying of one's self so that God can fill us up with life and love. Our prayer helps us grow in spiritual poverty and freedom. Christ is the model of spiritual poverty par excellence. Now, the reason I wanna talk so much about spiritual poverty here today is because I want us to understand the resurrection piece of this story. Because of the vulnerability of, of the stranger going to the widow's house, Elijah, going to the widow's home, and because of the vulnerability of the widow to receive him into her life, these both, both of these people being in a state of poverty are, are reliant on one another as a community and they're also reliant on God, the miraculous works of God. Now, the first miraculous work that they encounter together in this story is that the meal and the oil do not run out. They do not run out. So there's plenty of food for Elijah and the widow. But the next miraculous piece, the, the main focus of our story today is the resurrection of her son. You see, here is the moment where their spiritual poverty receives new life and new hope. The boy was the widow's chance for a future her son was her only hope in having some kind of future for herself, some, some kind of stability when he was older. And then now that her son has died, all of that is, is taken away. And so we're stripped down and truly in this state of poverty before God. And, and of course, the widow blames Elijah. And of course, Elijah blames God. But here, in this miraculous act of resurrection, these two or three, individuals who are utterly dependent upon God and one another are saying, God, we cannot do this without you. Intercede into my life and make me whole. You see, if if we don't if we cannot recognize our our own spiritual poverty, if we can't come before God and say, I am emptying myself in front of you, then we have nothing to receive from God. We have no space to receive from God. The emptying of oneself The saying, okay, God, here is is all of my stuff, all of my sin and my brokenness. I, I give it to you, oh God. The emptying of the self is then the ability to say, I'm going to fill now up with what God has to give me. Now we do this both individually and communally because the truth is that we we have to be vulnerable not just with God but like Elijah and the widow we have to be vulnerable with one another. Are we able to share our spiritual poverty in community? Are we able to to say to our our neighbor in Christ, I need need help. This is what my brokenness is. This is where my sin is. This is where I fall short. And this is why I need God to come and, and fill me. Are we willing to be that vulnerable as a community of faith? Or or are we too proud of ourselves? Are we too proud of who we are? Or do we feel like we have to make such a good impression upon people that we can't be authentic and real and vulnerable as a community of faith? I don't know about you, but, but for me, I wanna be a part of a community where I can be real about who I am. I wanna be part of a community where I can, I can be vulnerable and say, this is my stuff. I'm sorry, but I'm a human who's experiencing brokenness who's experiencing sin just like everybody else. See, and the power of doing that in community is that then the community experiences that resurrection of Jesus Christ together, not just individualistically, but in a communal sense. It's a communal resurrection. See, that's what's so powerful about this story of Elijah and the widow is that God was raising all of them. Not just the boy. God was raising all of them. And God is saying, this is the life that I have for you. Will you live it Abundantly, I pray that you will. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen.